Coming up, I give my observations of sitting on a client panel last week in New York. We look at political spending in the US. And we also bring news of a very interesting, disruptive media agency coming to London. Hello and welcome to ID.com's Media Snack, episode 16. So coming up today, we've just been talking actually, the, there's a theme across all of the segments today, and I think that is disruption. Yeah. Um, so as we said, we're looking at uh, some observations I had sat on a panel in New York last week with a lot of marketers, and a big theme of that was disruption. We're going to look at how Donald Trump has been disrupting the spending patterns mm. of uh, the political scene in the US. And also we're going to uh, mention news of a new type of agency that's coming to London uh, later this year, really with very disruptive mm. business model. So that ties the theme together, uh, all coming up on today's ID.com's Media Snack in just the time it takes to eat a sandwich. First up, uh, the more observant of you will have realised that Tom wasn't around last week for our Media Snack episode. Mm-hmm. I noticed that. But he's back today. So, uh, so Tom, where were you last week? I was in New York uh, all last week. I was invited, actually, to sit on a panel discussion uh, with some marketers. Uh, and the theme of the, the, the event was called The Reinvention of Marketing. It's right. run by uh, a, a fantastic organization called The Internationalist uh, that you might have heard of, and partnering with the ANA in the US, the Association of National mm-hmm. Advertisers. Um, and it was a client-only uh, forum, uh, which lasted half a day on Friday, last Friday. Uh, and it had a number of different, different panels. The, as I say, the theme was reinvention of, of marketing. But what they kicked off with a fantastic fireside chat with a guy called Brad Jakeman, who you might know is uh, president of PepsiCo's entire beverage business. Uh, he's not short of a few words, um, right. and he, uh, he's not afraid to really kind of speak out particularly. He got a lot of press last, last year from an ANA event where he really let rip at his frustrations with the lack of evolution and the agency model. Mm. And he talks a lot about disruption um, and what it means for means for Pepsi as a business. So what's what's keeping him awake at night? Is it, yeah. is it Coca-Cola? No, well, that was in, somebody asked that exact question actually. Um, what he said about disruption was that what he's terrified of, or what keeps him awake, uh, are not the big other big players, mm. but actually it's the real innovative new drinks brands that are actually finding that they can get shelf space across the big retailers yeah. uh, by acting very differently. So on merit? Really on merit. Right. They're not having to pay to play. They're not, uh, they're not necessarily having to advertise because they're using, uh, you know, they're often using a social media to kind of get their message out and build mm-hmm. up a community and a, and a fan base for their brand. So that's where he thought that the beverage business was really potentially under threat and that, that gave him cause for concern. Uh, but what, it was very interesting because what he shared was a lot of perspective about uh, how in, within Pepsi they are trying to disrupt themselves. Right. You know, that was his challenge, both to his own organisation mm. and also to us, the assembled uh, delegates, which is a lot of senior marketers from across the US. And, he, and his, the message I thought was lovely that he left the room with 
was, if not marketing, then who? Yeah. And what he meant was, if marketing can't be the disruptors of the business model, then who else is going to do yeah. it? So he's know? challenging them to take accountability and responsibility yeah. for disrupting yeah. their own businesses. Exactly. So what was what was our role in... in what was in I doing there? Yeah, well, why yeah. weren't you at work? Yeah, exactly what I was. So um, I was asked to sit on a panel. There were a number of panels that were exploring reinvention of marketing. Mm. And the panel that I, I sat on uh, was called the Reinvention of Client Agency Relationships. So as people will know, we have a lot to say about mm. uh, how agencies and, and clients can work look to work better together um, and it was facilitated by Joanne Davis who's a, um, uh, a kind of a good collaborator of ours in the US and on the panel was were three marketers um, and fantastic representation it was um, uh, Andy Markovitz from uh, from GE mm-hmm. they've got a performance labs business which he runs which is really impressive um, Rob, Rack, Rack, Rob Rakowitz from Mars yeah. who we know well um, and uh, Dan Vin from Marriott, right. from the hotels business. Uh, and they were, we were all kind of giving perspective on the, the experiences that we'd had um, from client agency uh, perspective mm-hmm. and also where those challenges were happening. And so a lot of the focus, actually, a lot of the talk was about technology being right. a disruptor um, and how, uh, you know, the the agency and client relationships are kind of being disrupted in some way by ad tech. Mm. And I think marketers, like we talk about quite a lot, marketers are becoming quite empowered. And taking control back. Taking more control, and that's changing the relationship Mm. that they have with agencies. Uh, So it's a really worthwhile um, uh, experience for me, but also um, I think it was a really worthwhile initiative because it just, it sets the agenda with a little bit more kind of positivity and ambition. Uh, and there was, as I say, about 100 senior marketers in the room, which, uh, which meant there was you know, lo- lots of good discussion about uh, things that everybody could do better to, to you know, be disruptive, think more creatively, think more innovatively in good. the future. All right, so time well spent. It was indeed. Okay, so next up, uh, when I was in the US last week, it was impossible to escape uh, coverage or conversation around the presidential race that everybody is well aware, I think, is going on. Um, And uh, obviously Donald Trump (laughs) very much dominating the headlines. So we thought, I mean, you know, it's an interesting kind of continuation of actually a a US reference story, but it's a global thing. That's right. you know, everybody knows that in the U.S., candidates can spend huge amounts of media dollars uh, in their battle to become president. So Hillary Clinton, for example, has reportedly secured a, a war chest of $130 million yeah. to secure the presidency. Yeah. So far, uh, according to the reports that we've read, Jed Bush has spent $85 million yeah. in a an unsuccessful attempt. He won, I think, one, one delegate. He did. Yeah. But do you know how much uh, Donald Trump has spent so far? No. He spent $10 million. $10 million. Yet he yeah. has been, he's had, he's enjoyed uh, 33 times more exposure than any other candidate uh, in the presidential election. Well, this is where it becomes really, we, you know, it comes really interesting mm. because, you know, we're talking about disruption and uh, Donald Trump like him or loathe him, uh, 
has completely disrupted the model. And Absolutely. the traditional model has been, I think, with, uh, with a, some few exceptions, the winner of the presidential race has tended to be the person with the largest war chest. Mm -hmm. That's right. Um, and I think for two reasons. One is that they can obviously spend more on advertising. Um, but also, secondly, we've tended to find that the media outlets, mm. so the news media, uh, will tend to be favourable to the candidate who's got the most money to spend Absolutely. on their channels. Makes sense. Yeah, which kind of makes sense. It's not great for a democratic process. Mm. Um, but the winner has been the person with the most money and then therefore the most influence on the media. The he's, he's disrupted this The difference model. this time is earned media. Yeah. So they've put a calculation on the amount of earned media inventory uh, has been dedicated to Donald Trump and that is nearly $2 billion. Yeah. In February alone, uh, he was responsible for generating $400 million worth of earned media exposure. Yeah, which is, a si which is, is comparable. You said uh, you know, Hillary's war chest currently is $130 million. I think I read that John McCain's entire campaign budget uh, when he ran previously was $400 million, and, yeah. and Trump's generating that in value of exposure in yeah. one month. Incredible. Um, and you, Incredible. Can, you can see it over there. I mean, as I said to you, I, you know, I had kind of scrolling news on in the background, uh, you know, whenever I could, whenever I get a chance to see it. And uh, he just has sucked the air out of the campaign. I mean, he totally dominates the headlines. You can see how he's just more interesting. Yeah. And perhaps, what, you know, whether you agree with what he's saying or not, I, mean, I guess his provocation as a strategy to be provocative and get all the cameras on him is quite clever because he's, un he's understood and seen the mm. power of dominating news coverage Absolutely. and therefore dominating uh, uh, free media, which in some ways I guess has fulfilled his proposition, which is that he's, he's at the moment not going to take campaign donations. Yeah. Uh, so he's saying, I can win this without spending the money, potentially. And that's exactly what he's doing. Yeah. I mean, he has used his experience in, I suppose, showbiz, in TV, yeah. to disrupt this entire model. Yeah. Uh, and it looks as though he's going to win the candidacy, uh, and who knows where he'll go from there. Yeah. But Hillary's got a fight on her hands, I'd imagine. Yeah, well, we, we should expect perhaps some, some spending. I guess it's going to hit the TV market particularly there, which has always counted on a presidential race mm. as being a really good source of, uh, of revenue. That's right. And perhaps Trump has changed that model. We'll see how that affects perhaps the TV networks mm. in terms of income uh, over the coming months. But uh, uh, it's got probably quite a good thing for politics yeah. <laughs> to, take, to take the advertising uh, maybe out of uh, the democratic process. Maybe yeah. that's a good thing. We'll see. But we'll yeah. follow that story with great interest. Yeah. Continuing on our theme of disruption, uh, coming up third uh, topic today, uh, the news that a new disruptive digital agency is soon to launch in London. Yeah. Um, you met them in New York last week. I did. Uh, and the company is VaynerMedia. Right. Um, if you haven't heard of them, they, are, they were started about six or seven years ago uh, as, a, as a social media shop. Yeah. Uh, in New York, they've since expanded their capabilities and their geographic or their footprint across the U.S. and now um, offering more of a full-service approach, mm -hmm. mostly in 
digital channels, but increasingly offline yeah. uh, and just general kind of paid media perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, founded by uh, a uh, kind of a legendary uh, entrepreneur, startup entre- entrepreneur called Gary Vaynerchuk. Yeah. Um, so they are, they've grown phenomenally in the US, um, worked with a lot of uh, B2C brands and have been very disruptive actually to the traditional agency model yeah. in the US. Although they made a point of uh, saying that they collaborate very, very well with agencies as they should do. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I, I went in to see them whilst I was in New York because they are planning to open a, um, an agency in London. So it'll be their first international office launching, I think, in July this, yeah. this year um, and bringing the, that format uh, to London um, on the back of some existing client relationships, but obviously also looking to, I guess, be a, be a good disruptive force um, in, the, in the UK and the European uh, media agency scene as well. I think that's fantastic news. I mean, we, we, we've spoken before about you know, smart, independent digital agencies being absorbed yeah. within the big networks. Yeah. The fact that there are fewer alternatives out there for clients to, to look and investigate. Um, and I think with these guys coming into town, I think that's a fantastic piece of news. Yeah. It's something that I think the industry will embrace. Um, and it can only be a good thing that they come and shake up uh, the digital uh, agency yeah. model here. Yeah. So good. Agree. So, well, um, I think next week uh, Gary's over doing a, a book launch. So um, uh, we may well do a, a media snack with Gary if, he's, uh, if we can co- coordinate that, uh, which will be interesting. And we'll get him to explain why London is... Uh, why London is the next staging post for them and also where they see the opportunity to, to be disruptive because that's really you know, the kind of heart of the business. Yeah. Um, that so really interesting. We'll look, at, we'll look out for that. But um, yeah, as you say, good, you know, good for the additional competition Absolutely. to come into uh, you know, a well-established marketplace. With fresh ideas, uh, a provocative point of view, um, and I think it, uh, it can only, you know, help clients uh, do better work. Yeah, watch out London. Okay, so that's it for disruption for this week. Bye for now. Have a good weekend.